0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: It's Sunday, November 11th. I'm Margaret Brennan, and this is Face the Nation. With a split decision in the midterm election for control of the House and Senate, and after igniting controversy, after controversy, after controversy at home, President Trump is honoring the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I. But at a somber gathering today in Paris, the chill among his fellow world leaders seemed to match the weather, with a notable exception. We'll talk to two newsmakers who won on Tuesday, including a familiar rival of the president. With Democrats retaking control of the House, leader Nancy Pelosi hopes to regain her job as speaker.
2: God bless Texas.
1: And Texas Republican Ted Cruz will also join us. What are his thoughts on the president's new immigration orders?
3: When the gotta go.
1: And chaos in the Sunshine State. Plus, as momentum grows for new acting attorney general Matthew Whitaker to recuse himself from overseeing the Mueller probe, We'll talk with South Carolina's Lindsey Graham. Plenty of politics and news all ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. It has been a difficult week in America. Following record voter turnout in the midterm elections, some races are still not decided and the partisan political divide has ripped even wider. A mass shooting killed 12 in California. The suspect is a veteran who may have been suffering from ptsd then wildfires exploded in the state one in northern california is already the most destructive in california's history president trump sparked outrage with tweets blaming california forest management for the disaster and threatening to cut off funding today the president is in paris attending a ceremony honoring the 100th anniversary of the armistice ending world war I. We begin there with CBS News White House correspondent Weijia Zhang, who filed this
4: report. A solemn Sunday in Paris. As President Trump marked the day World War I ended a century ago. November 11, 1918. He stood alongside dozens of world leaders at the Arc de Triomphe, where the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier symbolizes the ultimate sacrifice. French President Emmanuel Macron seemed to take a veiled swipe at the President's America First agenda.
5: Nationalism
4: Nationalism is a betrayal of patriotism by saying, our interests first, who cares about the others? We erase what a nation holds dearest, what gives it life, what makes it grace, and what is essential, its moral values. Mr. Trump did not appear amused. While in France, President Trump also recognized the need to maintain strong alliances, but he often receives criticism for warming up to adversaries, including Russian President Vladimir Putin. The White House says President Trump and President Putin will likely meet on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Argentina later this month. Today, the president is heading back to Washington. Margaret? It's Zhang. Thank
1: you. South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham joins us this morning from Clemson. Senator, uh, welcome to Face the Nation. Uh, I want to get right to it. Uh, The French president seemed to be saying the liberal world order is being undermined by forces nationalist forces that seem to be represented to many by President Trump. Do you agree with him?
5: Uh, No, I think he's got a political problem at home, Macron does, and probably picking a fight with Trump is good politics. I like the idea of President Trump pushing NATO to pay more. Getting out of the uh, Intermediate Ballistic Missile Treaty with Russia made sense to me, because Russia is cheating. And the treaty doesn't cover China and North Korea. I think the main friction is getting out of the Iran deal, which I thought was bad for America and really bad for the world. So Republican presidents always have a hard time in Europe. Uh, I'm not really worried about this at all.
1: Well, Senator, let's move to what's happening here at home. You're seeing some of the worst fires in California history raging yeah. there, uh, yeah. nearly dozen dead. Yet the president is is taking a, an aggressive, combative yeah. stance here, even threatening to cut off funding. Yeah. What's achieved by doing things like this?
5: Well, number one, uh, my heart goes out to the people who've lost their homes. I think been about 25 people killed. These are historically large wildfires in California, but we do have a forest management problem all over the country. We need to address. But you know, uh, California will receive the money they need. But going forward, we need to look at some of the underlying causes of these fires, and it's just not California. We need to look at better forest management in in terms of federal lands all over the country.
1: So you agree with the sentiment, but perhaps not the tone is what I hear you saying there. Um, Yeah,
5: this has been a debate for a while about underbrush clearing in uh, federally owned lands, but now it's not time to talk about cutting off money. With all due respect, we're going to help our friends in California. They need help.
1: I want to ask you, since you sit and are an important voice on the Judiciary Committee about what's happening now with the search for the new Attorney General now that Jeff Sessions Mm -hmm. has been forced out, you said you're going to meet with the acting Attorney General this week. Right. Are you going to ask him to recuse himself, and is Matthew Whitaker's appointment to this role constitutional?
5: Good question, I I talked with uh, Matt yesterday, I'm going to meet with him next week when we get our schedules aligned here. I think he was uh, uh, appropriately appointed legally. I don't think he has to recuse himself. Uh, I am confident the Mueller investigation will be allowed to come to a a good, solid uh, conclusion that there will be no political influence uh, uh, put on Mr. Mueller by Mr. Whitaker to do anything other than Mr. Mueller's job. I'm confident Mr. Mueller will be allowed to do his job without interference.
1: I ask you that question because, as you know, there have been a number of public statements made by Whitaker, including saying there's no criminal Mm -hmm. obstruction of justice charge to be had against President Trump. That seems prejudicial to many. He's referred to special counsel as the Mueller lynch mob. What about these Mm -hmm. comments suggest to you that he's going to be impartial?
5: Well, you don't recuse somebody because they have opinions different than the people they're overseeing. Trust me, there's politics uh, abounds when it comes to the Mueller investigation that Trump's guilty and no matter what Mueller finds. But the bottom line here is that Mr. Mueller will be allowed to do his job without political interference by, by Mr. Uh, Whitaker. Mr. Whitaker, I think, is legally qualified and otherwise qualified to oversee this investigation until a new attorney general will be appointed. And I think that will happen early next year.
1: Early next year. What's your first question for that nominee?
5: Well, it depends on what the lay of the land is. If Mueller is still not finished with his investigation, (laughs) are you going to allow him to do his job? But a lot of questions about about how the Department of Justice works.
1: The president uh, issued an order this week and says he's going to issue another executive order having to do with immigration. Um, Does he have the authority to bypass Congress in doing these things?
5: You know, uh, the 14th Amendment, birthright citizenship, uh, that's got to get to the court. Maybe the executive order is the way to start that discussion. But when it comes to changing asylum laws, saying that somebody here illegally cannot apply for asylum, I don't know if you can do that by executive order, but I support that policy. Right now, people are marching on our border. Uh, If they they cross illegally, then they ask for asylum. Asylum shouldn't be a magnet for illegal immigration, so I support the policy change. I'm not so sure you can do it by executive order, but we'll see.
1: Well, the ACLU suggests that that's actually contravening Congress and established law. I might
5: want to get another, I might want to get another opinion than the ACLU, but the point is that I do believe asylum laws are being abused they've become magnets for illegal immigration, people cross the border illegally, then apply for asylum. That's not the way asylum is set up to work. I support the policy change. Congress probably should do it, but I'm open-minded to the executive order. I I just don't know the answer, really.
1: You've been speaking a fair amount about what's going on in Florida and the recount there. Um, The Florida Department of of, of, uh, Elections has presented no evidence whatsoever of criminal activity there. the right. president has been sort of fanning the flame, some would say, of conspiracy here, saying Democrats are trying to steal it. Do, don't you think in well, some I'm ways con- that this undermines election integrity when you're actually trying to uphold it?
5: I think what undermines election integrity is Broward County can't get their act to get, over multiple elections. Uh, if the Florida law enforcement officials see no fraud, I will accept that. But they are in violation of the law, Broward County. They're supposed to report results when 30 minutes of the mm-hmm. polls closing. They counted almost 80,000 votes days after the polls close. So the problem is not with President Trump's rhetoric. The problem is with the incompetence and the mischief okay. in Broward County.
1: All right. Senator Graham, thank you very much. Lots to get through thank you. today. On Friday, we sat down with House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi, who was working to round up the votes among Democrats to become speaker once again. We began our discussion with the Democrats' call for the new acting attorney general to recuse himself from overseeing the Mueller probe after the president asked Attorney General Jeff Sessions to step aside last week. Do you think under Whitaker that the integrity of this investigation is in peril?
6: Yes, I do. Uh, first of all, I think that he should recuse himself for any review of the investigation because of statements he has made already in the public domain about the fact that, that this uh, investigation should not... You don't
1: have confidence and... in him as America's no, top enforcement officer. Uh,
6: no, I don't. And I don't just take it from me. There's bipartisan uh, editorializing about this, that, that he should never have been appointed and that... Uh, that it it does violence to the Constitution and the vision of our founders to appoint such a person in such a manner uh, to be the chief legal officer in our country. And that's bipartisan.
1: There are questions about what will happen when Bob Mueller wraps up his investigation, the report and the conclusions Mm -hmm. he comes to, and whether they will ever see uh, the light of day, because we don't know if they're going to be shared with Congress. Mm -hmm. In a Democrat-controlled House
6: with subpoena power. Would you force that? Well, we don't know if, if the, what he will decide and what will be made public, but we do want the truth. The public has a right to know. The public has a right to know, and uh, no one is above the law in terms of our having access to that information.
1: So you don't think it would require a subpoena uh, to the well, DOJ to release it? Well, let us it.
6: hope not, but uh, the Congress, uh, uh, we, the beauty of our Constitution is the system of checks and balances, and in doing so to have oversight responsibility to be a check. Uh, So in our oversight responsibilities, we would want that information.
1: What are the bounds of of that oversight? Because, you know, one of the concerns you hear is Democrats are just going to issue subpoena after subpoena and make the president's life legally more difficult. Is there a, a limitation to that that you see?
6: Well, we are responsible. We are not scattershot. Uh, We are not doing uh, any investigation for a political purpose, but to seek the truth. So I think uh, a word that you could describe about how Democrats will go forward in this regard is we will be very strategic.
1: No investigation for a political purpose, you you say. A number of Republicans would say, come on. Uh, there's always a a political upside or downside to moving forward with some of these investigations. Well, if the
6: Republicans would say that they're just projecting their own attitude toward investigations, which was very political. We are coming to do something that is very important for our country, a more open Congress with accountability to the public, uh, with a seeking bipartisanship where we can find it, stand our ground where we can't. The president has been saying
1: that there's election fraud in Mm -hmm. Florida. Um, What do you think is happening in in Broward County? Is this uh, election fraud? And is there a role that Congress needs to play in upgrading election infrastructure?
6: Well, yes, to the second part. But let's go to the first part first. My experience with the president is anytime he uh, charges somebody with something, he's just projecting what he might have done himself. Uh, We are not in election fraud. Well, obstruction, uh, uh, suppression of the vote. Uh, those those kinds of issues uh, are, I think, uh, wrong and not in honor of our sacred right to vote. Uh, so, no, there is no election fraud. What there is is an honest count of the vote. On immigration, would you try to block any attempt to fund the border wall? Uh, let's just enlarge that issue into uh, what we need to do as a country. We certainly have to protect our borders, and Democrats know that, and we have always worked to do that. So you'd be open to... Supporting this? No, I mean, as I said, Speaker, I, would you I said, ever that legislation? protecting our border, and we have done that. And there are many ways uh, to protect the border before uh, tens of billions of dollars building a wall where technology and personnel and the rest uh, could possibly do the job. But whatever it is has to be tied to comprehensive immigration reform. What this administration has done is uh, undermining our values taking babies out of the arms of their moms as you a new mom. You understand that bonding mm-hmm. very well. As, me, as my mother of five, grandmother of nine, understand that bonding very well. Let's take the baby out of the arms of their moms. Let's separate families. Shameful. And what the president just did in the last day on the uh, executive order flies in the face of even what the evangelicals, who are his big supporters, have said, the evangelicals have said, Uh, The United States amnesty—excuse me—the United States refugee resettlement program is the crown jewel of America's humanitarianism, and what the president did does not recognize what the law of the land is, and in terms of refugees.
1: There's a lot more of our interview with House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi ahead, including her plans for fixing the Affordable Care Act and the record number of women in the next Congress. That's coming up in our next half hour.
7: What's your next adventure? Everyone deserves a chance to do what they love. Pacific Life helps you reach financial goals while you go after your personal ones. Plans change over time and your financial solutions can, too. That's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help give you the freedom to do what you love. Or visit www.pacificlife.com.
1: We turn now to another of Tuesday's winners, Texas Republican Ted Cruz, a key member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he joins us from his home in Houston. Senator, welcome to Face the Nation.
2: Thank you, Margaret. Good morning and, and, and welcome back yourself. Congratulations on your new son.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, you, a little bit of history here. You were part of President Bush's legal team back in 2000 during the Florida recount. We are looking once again uh, at questions about what is happening and a recount there. What is going on? Is this political conspiracy like the president suggests or is this just incompetence?
2: Well, listen, I think there is certainly reason to be concerned. Uh, Florida's history on recounts had, had, has not been great. You've got each of the counties there that, that have different, uh, different commissioners. I spoke uh, yesterday with my colleague Marco Rubio, who's, who's following what's happening there closely and is, and is deeply concerned uh, that, that, that what might be playing out is an attempt to steal the election. I hope that's not it. I think everyone needs to be vigilant. Every vote needs to be counted. Uh, but at the same time, we can't allow people to be spe- stealing votes, and we-, we need to be on guard against that.
1: A bit of both? You say it could be getting stolen or it could just be incompetence? It,
2: it, the, the, it could almost always be a bit of both of incompetence and, and the potential for malfeasance. But, but any time you have a recount, uh, you, you have an invitation for people to, uh, to, to to violate the law and try to advance their partisans. In, in 2000, in Bush versus Gore, on election night, uh, George W. Bush had about a 3,000 vote lead. And there ended up being a total of four recounts in Florida over and over and over again. And over the course of those four recounts, Bush's lead dropped from about 3,000 votes all the way down to 537 votes. And Mm -hmm. and the mantra of the Democrats is they wanted to keep counting and counting and counting the same votes over and over again until they managed to drop the votes to the other side. I, I think that suggests If you're recounting, the numbers ought to stay the same or roughly the same. And if they're moving consistently in one direction, uh, it it suggests you may not have a fair and level playing field in terms of those counting.
1: Uh, I want to ask you, since you're on the Judiciary Committee, about what happened this week. Jeff Sessions being forced out. Now there's an an acting attorney general overseeing uh, the Russia probe. Do you believe that the special counsel's investigation is now in peril and needs to be protected?
2: Well, I, I don't think anyone was surprised to see Jeff Sessions move on. Uh, Jeff, Jeff is a good man, an honorable man. He's someone who's been a friend a long time. Uh, but it was clear that his relationship and the president's relationship were not working, that there was no longer trust and confidence there. And, and, and that's not a long-term sustainable situation to have an attorney general and, and, and a president in, in direct and open conflict the way they were. I think Jeff did a number of very good things at DOJ, including on immigration, including on religious liberty, so I'm grateful for those efforts. Uh, But I think it will be good to see new leadership come into the Department of Justice. Now, Mr. Whitaker, as I understand it, has been appointed just in an acting position, and and the White House has announced they intend to nominate a new attorney general. I I expect that to happen uh, quickly. Uh, and when it does, I'm, the, the Senate will take up the advise and consent role. And, and, and I'm on the Senate Judiciary Committee. So whoever the nominee is, I, I look forward to hearing from that individual, their background, their record, their qualifications and, and, and their vision for what the Department of Justice should be doing.
1: Should there be legislation to protect the special counsel?
2: Uh, no, I don't believe there should. We, we, we had a bill come through the Judiciary Committee that tried to make it impossible for a special counsel to be removed. I believe that legislation was unconstitutional, that, that, that it was inconsistent with Article 2 of the Constitution.
1: You were very critical of the Obama administration uh, for taking action via executive fiat, as you said. You called it dangerous. This mm-hmm. week, President Trump mm-hmm. on immigration has issued orders bypassing Congress to restrict how migrants crossing the border illegally can claim asylum. Are you okay with that mm-hmm. now?
2: Well, I'm still studying the specific immigration order, but, but I'll tell you, look, here's my view on executive Congress. orders. What, 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 let, let me explain my view on, immigr- on, on executive orders, whether from Trump or Obama, George W. Bush or anybody else, which is there is a legitimate role for an executive order, and that is governing how the executive branch operates, how Under Article 2 of the Constitution, the president of the executive branch is charged uh, with with taking due care that the laws are faithfully executed. And an executive order is perfectly appropriate to direct the executive branch. This is the manner in which we shall execute the law. What Obama did repeatedly that was so lawless is his executive orders didn't do that. Instead, they said, here is the federal law passed by Congress, signed by the president, that we will defy, that we will ignore. And, and, and that the president can't do. And, and, and so that's the question on any executive order. Is, 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 it, is it directing how the executive will behave or is it flying in defiance to, to laws passed by Congress? If it's the latter, it's unconstitutional.
1: So I don't hear a clear answer on whether you think uh, this asylum change is OK. Do you think via executive order it is appropriate for the president to end birthright citizenship, again, bypassing Congress?
2: Well, Margaret, as as I said, on the on the executive order on immigration, I have not studied that order yet. It just came out this week. You know, I have to admit, I I was kind of busy. We had an election a couple of days ago and 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 that that. So I have not yet reviewed the executive order and I try on legal decisions. My career has been being a constitutional litigator. So I I don't I, I don't reach constitutional opinions lightly. If the order defies the laws of Congress, then, yes, it's unconstitutional. If the order constrains and directs how the executive will implement the law, then it's not. Now my understanding is this executive order does things directing resources to the border. Those resources are clearly within the purview of an executive order for the President. And birthright and the president citizenship is charged order, under existing coming. law. The, the, the President is charged under executive uh, un, under federal law with securing the border. And, and if the executive order is in furtherance of the statute, then it's not only a uh, allowable. It, it, it's appropriate and good. I mean, this so-called migrant caravan of, of, of over 10,000 people marching north, declaring their intention to cross the border illegally. I can tell you, I told the president uh, just recently when he and I spoke, I said, Mr. President, under no circumstances should we let them cross. We should use whatever tools are available, whether it is border patrol, whether it is National Guard, whether, whether it mm-hmm. is the military that the president has called up. But we shouldn't allow 10,000 people to blatantly and deliberately violate the law. There is a right way to come to this country, and and that's following the law, Mm -hmm. waiting in line, and following the rules.
1: All right, well, we look forward to hearing your views on birthright citizenship and those asylum uh, decisions. We've got to leave it here, Senator. We'll be back with a lot more. Face the nation, don't go away.
7: Are you having trouble sleeping? NFL players have been coached. Blue light from smart devices, it can affect your sleep. They'll even wear blue blocker glasses in the evening for improved sleep. Others will try tart cherry juice and smoothies. Not only can it help fight inflammation, but to help you sleep, it's got high amounts of natural melatonin that's beneficial for sleep. The other night, my girlfriend told me I was snoring way too much and even the earplugs weren't helping. So the next day, she took me to a Sleep Number store because if I was snoring, at least she could get a good night's sleep on a Sleep Number bed. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Experience the smart, effortless comfort of the Sleep Number 360 smart bed. Find your competitive edge with proven, quality sleep from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash cadence. That's sleepnumber.com slash C-A-D-E-N-C-E. Sleep Number.
1: face the nation. We want to continue our conversation with House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi. In the next Congress, there will be at least 100 women in the House. That's a record. We asked Leader Pelosi about the new freshman class.
6: We had 23 women, got us to the majority, and then we had many men, some of people of color among those men, uh, it's to take us to bigger heights. I want to salute the uh, quality of our candidates who who took their message, their why, why they wanted to be in, in Congress, what they cared about and what they knew about that and how they connected in a very personal way with their constituents. They, we own the ground because people were inspired by them and the outside groups did so much door to door telling stories about health care and why that was important in this election and so many other personal stories. So, Personal stories won the day. Healthcare was the big issue. I'm here to protect that healthcare. In terms of the diversity, we used to be over 50% women, people of color and LGBTQ. Now we're over 60%. And that's a a beautiful thing, that diversity for our country. The additional people who will be, who will change the face of security in our country. And uh, not only our national security, but our, our, our national economy. Uh, people say, oh, you're going to have more women, so you'll have more emphasis on child care. Well, we already have that, and we'll do more. But the point is is that every issue is a woman's issue.
1: One of the issues that Democrats campaigned on was protection of uh, the existing health care law. Yes. Republicans and the president have talked about uh, preexisting conditions and something yes. they want to actually protect. So what does that actually mean in practical sense? Do you think that there is any room for reform of ACA, of Obamacare?
6: Well, you have two different questions. One is uh, the, um, uh, the pre-existing condition as a benefit, not being a barrier to getting coverage, is part of the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. The Republicans have tried to disrupt that. They did it in their Trump Care or I Don't Care bill that he had, and it was defeated. They now are t- going, they didn't succeed in the uh, Congress, so now they're going to the courts. Uh, any large number of Republican attorneys general throughout the country have brought suit against the pre-existing condition benefit and instead of protecting the law of the land, the president is sided with those attorneys general who want to eliminate that benefit. Uh, they misrepresented during the campaign where they were on this. They have another chance now with us in the majority to join us into removing all doubt uh, that the pre-existing medical condition is the law of benefit, is the law of the land.
1: Does this change anything for you in
6: terms of your your sense of needing to stay here But right the, I, the more Needing th- to stay a speaker? Well, I, I'm staying a speaker to protect the Affordable Care Act. That's Someone's my main afraid. issue, because I think that's, again, about the health and financial health of the America's families. And if Hillary had won, uh, I could go home. Nobody from California ever gets Potomac Fever. You, know, you may know that. but um, That's
1: still your North Star right now, though. What? The protection of the Affordable Care yes, Act. Yes, that, that's that. I mean, I, I, I
6: hope we will have a a woman president very soon. But that's not the, the, the fact that we almost had one uh, would have been motivation for me to say there's a woman at the table. It's very important. You cannot have the four leaders of Congress, the President of the United States, these five people, and not have the voice uh, of women, especially since women were the majority of the the voters, the workers in campaigns, and now part of this glorious victory, but these women bring each their individual uh, individual excellence uh, to the congress, and we 're very proud. but when I came to Congress, there were twelve democratic women. I said, we have to change this now we 'll have close to ninety, and that 's a, a major accomplishment uh, for for the American people, but also uh, for the Congress.
1: How do you respond to those who say there still needs to be more diversity in leadership either age-wise because you look at uh, the other two leaders alongside you and seventy-eight years old. Uh, yeah. well, that's a, uh, do I, you need to have some of these new progressives who have come in younger? younger uh, we have had them in
6: the leadership along the way and that more will be in Uh, now uh, that we have more positions when you have when you have the majority you have more positions Mm -hmm. uh, to put people in leadership but our leadership doesn't just extend uh, to the caucus chair vice-chair all that it's about the leadership of our uh, uh, committees and in our leadership of our committees we have beautiful diversity women people of color LGBTQ it's a it's a sight to behold to see all of that diversity all of that talent uh, leading the way And some of the people here like being a chair more -hmm. than they'd rather be chair of the caucus. They would be the chair of the Armed Services Committee or chair of the Financial Services Committee. And that's how you would resolve these questions. Well, people have to run. When I first ran, people said, who said she could run? Nobody smoothed the path for me. I've tried to smooth the path for others. But you have to run. You have to want to do it. Policy-wise, what does that mean? Policy-wise, that means that the face of national security in our country will be very different and very diverse. We have many women coming in with experience in national security. We have many women here moving up in the ranks on national security. But I want to make sure that everybody has a security credential mm-hmm. whether it's in all of the different committees of jurisdiction in that regard. It also mean that women will be taking the lead on our, our economy.
1: When you said you're a transitional figure, Is that what you're transitioning towards, handing off to these women?
6: Well, I've always considered myself a transitional figure. I am on a mission, and that mission was to honor what we did with the Affordable Care Act. It it stands with uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, as pillars of economic as well as health security for the American people. Uh, When we had the opportunity to do it, we fought hard and we won, and now we have to protect it not just as a legislative uh, matter, but as what it means in the lives of the American people. And so uh, I think we're on a good path to to protect it. It was the central issue in this campaign. And so many of the outside groups told their stories, walked their precincts, won their votes uh, for us to preserve and protect the Affordable Care Act and improve it. We'll be
1: right back with our panel.
8: I used to think that all diet and weight loss plans were the same. Well, not anymore, because I found Noom. Noom is a new and totally different approach to losing weight and getting healthy that uses psychology and small goals to help change your habits. So it's easy to lose the weight and keep it off for good. Noom combines the power of technology with real human support, offering as little or as much help as you want along the way. And since Noom is an app, it's always with you and easy to use, which makes it super easy to stay on track and reach your goals. Plus, it's really simple to get started. Just go online, answer a few quick questions, and they'll create a personalized program just for you. Noom helped me lose my old way of thinking about food and dieting. So what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash podcast, noo mcom slash podcast, and start your 14-day trial today. Like they say, change your habits, change your mind, and change for good with Noom,
1: Now for some analysis on a week that defies words here in Washington, we welcome our political panel. Dan Balls is the chief correspondent at The Washington Post. Rachel Bade covers Capitol Hill for Politico, and she's also a CNN political analyst. Mark Landler is a White House correspondent for The New York Times. And Ed O'Keefe is a political correspondent here at CBS News. Ed, let's start off with you. We had these midterm races Tuesday. Right. Do we have final results from some of these uh, other races that are outstanding?
9: Well, first of all, welcome back. We're glad Thanks. to have you back in the building. Uh, Congrats sec- to
1: you. Your new dad. Uh,
9: well, <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, the answer to your question is no. There are still several unresolved races. Uh, we should start with the big one in Florida, of course, the uh, Senate race, where Rick Scott maintains a 50% to 49.9% lead. But you can see there uh, just about as many people that show up in a uh, traffic jam in Miami separate these two uh, from uh, you know, first and second place. Uh, Florida governor's race obviously still very tight. The Arizona Senate race, what was notable there of course is that the Democrat Kirsten Cinema has pulled into the lead. You talk to Republicans in Arizona, they quietly concede Sinema will probably hold on and win. And uh, the Georgia governor's race, the goal of Democrat Stacey Abrams is to see if Brian Kemp gets below 50%, but in the ongoing recounts he hasn't done that. So he may ultimately hold on there. Uh, a handful of House races have not yet been called. Uh, CBS and the other networks do it slightly differently than the Associated Press, so we're a little more cautious uh, in, in when that, those calls are made. Uh, and as the speaker mentioned, or speaker to be, we presume, uh, more than 30 uh, seats will be picked up by Democrats, so she'll grow the size of her caucus. And notably, too, that we're going to have more than 100 women in the House, which I think really transforms the governing dynamic up on Capitol Hill and will make for a really interesting few years.
1: So that's where we are in terms of the numbers. But in terms of the opinions, uh, some have very different views on where these races are, Dan. I mean, the president has weighed in, and you heard Senator Lindsey Graham also cast some doubt on what's happening in Florida and the, the integrity of that election there.
3: Yeah, the president weighed in and, and basically accused Democrats of trying to steal both the, the elections in Florida and in Arizona uh, without any evidence of theft uh, or fraud, there are problems in some of the counties in Florida, uh, which is uh, unfortunately not a new situation in Florida. And and those of us who you know covered the two thousand recount remember all of the problems down there, and some of those have not been solved. Um, but there is a you know counting often goes slowly. And it takes sometimes days and weeks in some states to actually get a final vote on these elections. And there's a process underway. It will be closely watched at this point. Um, the opportunity for fraud will probably be quite minimal at this point, given all the attention that's going on. Um, but the president, by doing that, undermines faith in the basic process of our democracy. Um, and it would be better, obviously, if if people in positions of power let the process play out. Um, There are a lot of people who think that the Republicans likely will hold on to both of those tight races in Florida. They are ahead narrowly, but they may have enough votes to be able to hold on. People should simply wait.
1: Rachel, uh, biggest Democrat gain in the House since 1974 and more women than we have ever seen uh, winning elected office for this new Congress.
10: Given this environment, does that change much? Uh, You know, we'll have to see. I mean, I think that Republicans know that they have bled in the suburbs, Republican leadership, they were encouraging the president before the election to sort of tone down a lot of this heated rhetoric. Uh, He did not and they paid a price for it. The question here is uh, do Republicans learn from it going forward and the president in terms of looking at 2020 I think he thinks his own re-election is better uh, if he continues that rhetoric which is a different sort of election than House Republicans would need to retake the House. In terms of Republican or in terms of women coming to Washington um, I can tell you that on Capitol Hill there's already discussions about changing the campus uh, to make sure they can accommodate all these women and make sure that it's a friendly work environment for mothers, there's um, new baby changing tables and bathrooms for lawmakers, um, and there's talk about nursing stations around the Capitol. Uh, but again, policy changes, you saw Pelosi talk about health care uh, making that a key issue next year, and I think that would be smart for them, especially because Republicans sort of tried to deflect a lot of uh, attacks on health care by saying, we do care about pre-existing conditions when in fact they tried to repeal Obamacare. Sliding in the suburbs, I think, is how Leader McConnell put it uh, in terms of a a
1: problem for the GOP. But, Mark, for the president, as Rachel just said, does this necessarily cause uh, a change in tone, a change in behavior for him? Because certainly after Tuesday, he seemed as combative as ever.
11: If anything, more combative. uh, I mean, he came out and and made this rather uh, hapless effort to claim victory. Uh, and then when it became clear over the ensuing days that really he had taken a stinging setback in the House, you saw his mood sort of deteriorate through the week. And as Rachel said, and Dan, he, he, he went after the electoral process in Florida. He went after the press. He went after the rule of law, uh, in a sense, in putting Matt Whitaker into a job in the in the Justice Department on an acting basis that many people have profound problems with. So you really saw him shift to an aggressive stance on almost across the board. There are issues where the president has said he could work with a Democratic House. uh, Infrastructure being one, potentially immigration. Um, But the big question that that I would have is is the president going to be capable of compartmentalizing uh, potentially productive work on the legislative side with an unrelenting round of investigations that he now faces in a Democrat-controlled House? I think that's emotionally going to be very difficult for him. And he already made clear in the past week that if the Democrats really investigate him aggressively, he will respond in a warlike way. He will try to investigate them. So it's sort of difficult from where we sit based on watching his demeanor over the past three days to see how he shifts to a more cooperative, collaborative stance. It, th- it feels like we're in for more and more partisan combat. Mm-hmm.
1: And what should we expect in terms of cabinet member departures? Uh, Jeff Sessions, that would- was telegraphed for months.
11: I think the Wait, big we- one, I think the big one to watch out for is Jim Mattis, the defense secretary. Uh, you, you may recall the interview where uh, the president said, well, Jim Mattis is basically yeah. a Democrat. Uh, so uh, so the, the, the question is, does Jim Mattis uh, really take this as a cue to either leave on his own steam or will the president now put pressure on him? John Kelly, the chief of staff, is another person to watch. The president, or the John Kelly rather, has said that he's been asked to stay through 2020. twenty. We'll see what whether that really happens, there's evidence his wings have already been clipped within the White House. But I think the really consequential one is is Mattis, and that's one that would have really a profound effect uh, in foreign perceptions of the United States and in the foreign policy and the national security of this administration for its last two years of the first term.
1: And how does that? Environment that uh, we just heard described shape up for the president. I mean, you've had already a number of the Democrats who expect to be in leadership positions in the new Congress say they're readying subpoenas.
9: Right. And and I think, actually, while we watch the dynamics among the president and his staff, one of the more interesting subplots in Washington over the next few months, at least, certainly, will be bringing in that new wave of Democrats, many of whom were elected on the idea that they want to come here and f- serve as a check on the president. A lot of younger People who were inspired to run because of him and their opposition to him and how they run into a leadership class uh, led by, at least for now, Nancy Pelosi and older committee chair, uh, chairman and chairwomen uh, who will want to do a lot of this work, but aren't necessarily going to want to go as far as a lot of base Democratic voters across the country want them to go. Jerry Nadler, the House Judiciary Committee chairman, reiterated again this morning, as has speaker presumed. Uh, Pelosi that they will only go into impeachment if the evidence is overwhelming and if there is bipartisan support for doing so that is a high bar yes both of those and I think that could create some early conflict uh, among Democrats. But you'll see them go after things like what was going on at the EPA when mm-hmm. Scott Pruitt was there. Why does uh, the Secret Service have to pay money at Trump Tower and Mar-a-Lago and all these other places? And try to go after the president's tax returns. And each one of those has the potential to really upset him.
1: Still, Republican-controlled Senate as a backstop for that. But we have more to talk about in a moment with our panel, so stay with us.
9: Memories make us
0: laugh and cry. And sometimes cringe when we look back at our fashion choices. But in between flashbacks of bowl cuts and dad jeans, our memories are fading, and so is the old media that holds them. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako, and we're the founders of Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the easiest and safest way to preserve your family memories. Here's how it works. Fill Legacy Box with your outdated media. We professionally digitize and send them back on DVDs, thumb drive, or the cloud. Look, those forgotten home movies... We're
1: back with our panel of journalists, and we want to discuss some explosive exchanges this week between the president and members of the White House press corps. That's enough.
4: Excuse me. That's enough.
7: Uh, I'm not. I'm not responding. I'm responding to. Excuse me. I'm not responding to you. I'm talking to this gentleman. Will you please sit down? Would excuse me. Excuse me, would you please sit down? Please go ahead. Um,
0: on the campaign trail, you called yourself a nationalist. Some people saw that as emboldening
4: white nationalists. Now people are also saying know why you'd that say the that. president... It's such a racist there question. There some people... Can you walk into Rayman Robert Mueller? What a stupid
7: question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch
4: you a lot. You ask
7: a lot of
1: stupid
6: questions.
1: I was a, the president there uh, speaking about Abby Phillips of CNN, who is a very smart journalist. Um, you also heard Jim Acosta of CNN, April Ryan, of American Urban Radio Network, Al Alcindor of PBS, all uh, getting real fire from the president. Uh, Mark, what's happening here? I mean, the president always seems to be combative with the press, but to many this seems a new level of aggression.
11: Yeah, I think that that the midterm election uh, and the setback he suffered there has maybe changed his uh, psychological frame uh, and not for the better. We were used to this kind of a vexed relationship. We've had it with him from the start. Um, But what you saw this past week was really of a very different order, uh, stripping the credential of the CNN Correspondent Jim Acosta. That's something that that no recent president in memory has tried to do. Uh, and, and the attacks, the verbal attacks on April Ryan, Abby Phillip, and Yamish Alcindor are, are, are particularly, I think, problematic because the three of them are African American women. Uh, for him to say to Yamish, a former colleague of mine, that asking him a, a very valid question about his inflammatory rhetoric is somehow a racist question, I think really is at some level beyond the pale. Likewise with Abby, she asked an absolutely valid question about the future of the Mueller investigation under a new leadership at the Department of Justice. Uh, And April Ryan, who by the way wasn't even present Uh, for the session where he simply went after her, Mm -hmm. presumably because she had tried to ask him a question at his uh, press conference earlier in the week. These are all uh, professional uh, women doing their jobs the right way. Uh, And for him to single them out and be so ad hominem, I think is a new level. Uh, For those of us in the press corps that have been used to this, I think we're we're all a, a little bit stunned by what we saw this past week.
1: And Dan, there is a lot to be said um, in parsing this and that the media shouldn't be talking about itself as much as we have been in terms of this aggressive line with the president. But tell us why this matters in, in uh, the broader political sense. You did have some journalist organizations come out and even criticize the phrasing of questions from fellow journalists. Is there a policing of the fourth estate that needs to be done or is this in any way um, acceptable, this kind of language?
3: Well, there's always self-reflection that needs to be done by those of us in the press. I mean, I think we all have to constantly think about how, what's the best way to do our job, particularly in a very difficult environment. And I think every news organization and every reporter um, who covers stories like this does ask those questions. But but that begs the issue of what the president has done, not just this week. And I agree with Mark. This was, this was another, you know, several levers up uh, in his attacks on the press. But he has done it consistently, and it is, it is strategic on his part, because it is designed to undermine the validity of a free press mm-hmm. and secondly we know that it inflames his base supporters. I mean I think everybody around this table gets emails from people who are very loyal to Donald mm-hmm. Trump who in fact believe that our, that we take it as our job to try to undermine him. That is not the case. We hold people in power accountable, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. Uh, we can be tough on presidents, and we often are, and presidents don't particularly like that. But most presidents or all previous presidents have reacted differently than President Trump has. And I think that's the issue. And and as Mark said, particularly uh, the attacks on three African-American female correspondents, mm-hmm. all of whom are professional in the way they approach their job, is is another aspect of this that is even different from simply attacks on the press.
9: Well, and he's, and he's taken on two Latino correspondents as well. Cecilia Vega, the previous one, and Jim Acosta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some of us, uh, that isn't coincidence. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of what is so troubling. But, you know, one thing we, knew we need to point out with this president, like him or hate him, yep. the press corps sees him and gets to question him more right. often than a we did George access. W. Bush and Barack it's Obama. That's a very good and point, yeah. very
1: good point. Rachel, just button us up here quickly. I mean, for those who say this is, we're being overly sensitive, that there's nothing racist in what the president did, there was a lot of strains, these nationalist tones, so to speak,
10: that were rewarded on the campaign trail. Were they not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, race right now is like, is one of those topics that Republicans it's 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 hurting them right now when they hear and they're following the president they're trying to distance themselves from the president but you know this keeps coming back and hurting them on the campaign trail I mean I'm I'm thought of uh, Steve King mm-hmm. and some of the rhetoric that has come out of you know his mouth and it sort of divided the Republican leadership about whether or not to back him or just not say anything and we actually saw one Republican leader um, the NRCC chairman Steve Stivers come out and say Uh, listen, this kind of rhetoric is not acceptable, um, and we have to stand up against it. Notably, no other House Republican leaders did that. And Um, he was resilient. Yeah, and and he he was reelected. Well, we uh, have so much to digest from this week,
1: (laughs) I think all of us, (laughs) by the end of it. That's it for us today. Thank you for watching. It's great to be back with you. And we'd like to thank all of the veterans who have served and protected this nation and those who are still on active duty. We honor you today and every day. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were House Democratic Leader Nancy Pelosi and Republican Senators Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow the show.
0: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.
7: Survivor's
2: back, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
6: Hi,
4: this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you.